Welcome back to the Team Early AF Podcast. This is our first Out of Carbonite, Out of the Archives episode. I'm pretty, pretty excited to share this with you all. It was an episode I recorded back in uh, end of 2019, start of 2020 with Jared Linsmeyer of Ruby Coffee. We sat down with uh, Kevin Bolger, who's a Wisconsin native. He's actually on the Team USA cross-country ski team. He was just selected this year, so it'll be his first time going to the Olympics in Beijing. It was that just all that uh, information that news just dropped, which is super cool. And this is an episode we re- recorded back in 2019. Um, so yeah, just before just before everything blew up and everything got crazy. Uh, so I wanted to pull it out of the archives, reshare it with everyone because it's it's an awesome story, great conversation, lots of inspiring stuff, and uh, yeah, anytime I can share. These outdoor rec stories, I I take every opportunity because I think they're awesome. I think more people should be getting outdoors, moving, sweating, finding themselves, giving, taking that time for some some deep thoughts, some meditation, some contemplation, good conversations, good friends, and uh, that's exactly what this conversation was. So, thanks again to Jared Linsmeyer over at Ruby Coffee and Kevin Bolger. Uh, good luck at the Olympics, buddy. Um, We'll be cheering for you and everyone else hopefully en- enjoys this podcast and gets inspired to go head outside. Team Early AF Podcast is sponsored by Bullet Point Competition Series. We just wrapped up the 2022 Open uh, here in Stevens Point, D1 Training and Baseline Performance. We had a three-week Friday Night Lights series, so it's always great to hang out with that crew. Alex has an awesome facility, a lot of great people in that gym. Uh, and we got to mingle, work out, sweat, drink some beers, and go get some tacos afterwards. So it was awesome. Look forward to that every year. A little bit of quote-unquote normalcy in 2022. So check out Bullet Point Competition. Follow along. Uh, they're mad supporters of everything I've done in health and fitness and community events. So they're, they're awesome over there. We're also sponsored by Schulze Family Beef here in Humberd, Wisconsin. Get your custom-selected beef boxes delivered to your house. If you're not a huge beef person, I don't know why you wouldn't be, but they do have also chicken and pork options that you can select in those boxes, some barbecue sauces, all kinds of good stuff. Um, ready to get picked for you and mailed to your house as uh, they're frozen Got a little dry ice in there, some uh, compostable, water-soluble corn packaging, as well as a recyclable card- cardboard box. I've also ended up using those cardboard boxes for storing a bunch of stuff because they're they're awesome. They're perfect. They're like the best storage cardboard box. So check out Schultzy Family Beef. Support them. Support your support your local farmer. Uh, and let's let's uh, we'll be hitting more of the seasonal AF train here as we get into meal prep season. We're also sponsored by all the patrons of the show on Patreon. If you want to support the show for as little as a dollar a month, hit up Team Early AF on Patreon and support us. If you're looking for some at-home virtual training during the craziness or you've just got a busy life, you don't want to hit up the gym, I've got programming options on there as well. You can jump on the outdoor rec group training I've got going on, or you can even uh, hit me up and direct message me, and we'll get on some some remote meetings and get you set up with some more personal training as a board-certified athletic trainer. Got a lot of great and over a decade of experience in 
fitness, sports performance. I know my way around the human body, around injuries, and around helping people's bodies heal through movement. So all of that's available on there. And yeah, thanks for supporting the show. Hope you enjoy this uh, straight out of the Carbonite episode of the Team Early AF podcast. I'm taken. I'm taken. Are you? Yeah. Kevin's significant other, right there. It's on the. It's going to be on the YouTube. Fairly new, yeah. We have guest host Jared Linsmeyer. Hello. There he is. Ruby Coffee. Yes, and we have Kevin Bulger. 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 Hard G. Hard G. Hard G. My bad. Kevin Bulger, uh, U.S. Men's Ski Team. Say hi, man. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'll do another shout-out Ruby Coffee as I sip on my, my cappuccino. Is that your first uh, first time with Ruby Coffee? No, I uh, had the pleasure of meeting Jared last year, yeah, about a year ago, um, reaching out, getting some coffee, and then meeting him down in uh, Amherst Central Water Brewery for mm. uh, a little fundraiser I was doing, and yeah, we've been in touch ever since. Nice. Are you a subscriber? Do you have subscription Ruby Coffee? I do not, but my parents both do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that he's gone half the year, so he gets a pass for not having <laughs> a subscription because we don't really. Now that does not ship right now to Norway or Sweden, and changing the delivery address every month would be difficult. <laughs> so, so there we go. Anyway, hey, I want to say thank you both um, for making the time to to make this happen and for letting me pressure you both. I just thought this was a great opportunity to get Kevin in the studio and hear from someone who's operating at such an elite level that's from Wisconsin and to get to know his story a little bit more. Boom. So thanks. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I'm, I was super excited. When awesome. When uh, Jared messaged me, I'm like, uh, yes, hell yes. If the guy's not too busy, I'd love to have him on the podcast. Because, uh, I mean, Jared, you and I talked about this as we make awkward eye contact over the computer. <laughs> um, just the, the whole idea of many of the guests I have on is things I'm passionate about and I want to learn about, but also the amazing people that we have here in, be it Wisconsin or the Midwest, that kind of help spread this idea of badassness, uh, heroic figures, inspirational stories, because so much of it, I think, is... Uh, it's, it's elsewhere, or we see like these mythical people from far away when rea- in reality we are, you know, all our own hero in this amazing story we call life. And uh, it's cool to get people like yourself who are, like Jared said, performing at a high level and hear from you. So, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, especially in the case of cross country skiing, especially in the United States in particular, I should say, uh, it's a sport that requires and demands just an incredible amount of physical fitness. And the reward is uh, there's a lot less exposure. These people are a lot less featured in the news. It's a sport that just doesn't get very much media attention, especially compared to what I see, at least um, in Europe, where, I mean, the and we'll let Kevin talk speak more to this because this is his world, not mine. But just as like somebody who watches it, I see, you know, in Norway and Sweden and all over Europe, you see these races that are super well attended and, you know, these athletes that are both through sponsorship and through, you know, the purse in winning these events are getting paid like really well. 
And then in the U.S., it's like no one. I mean, not no one. I don't mean to say no one. You know, you have some great sponsors, obviously, and a lot of attention, but it's a very different um, culture here in the U.S. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. The more, all the more that I want to celebrate it, and you know, talk about someone who's from uh, from Manaqua, just up north, about his story. So, Kevin, why don't you talk a little bit about like just the fast track on what you're up to. This is your, what, third year? Is that right? Or fourth, second year? Second year year on the US ski team. And bring us up to speed on how that's going and what you're up to. Yeah, sweet, for sure. Uh, It's been crazy the last, uh, how kind of all this has taken off for me and, um, you know, wind's at my back right now, which is, which feels pretty sweet. Um, (laughs) It's always a great feeling. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like you, it's my second year on the on the national team. Um, last year was my first real year, with like a, a full season out out in Europe on the World Cup, racing against the big dogs, and uh, definitely a humbling experience for sure. I mean, you're, we're racing over here in the U.S. and we don't get the most exposure. Um, so then when I finally made it over there and got to uh, toe the line with some of the best in the world and see where I kind of fit in there, it was uh, a super cool experience. And the the learning curve is astronomical. Um, and the fact that I think I fit into it pretty well has been pretty sweet. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't even, well, part of, so part of that, I guess part of that, I'm curious to know what it feels like to watch somebody like Clybo from afar, uh, folks that don't know Johannes Clybo is total badass. Just look up Olympics 2018 and you'll probably see his name. I'm doing uh, it. It's going on this screen. Olympics. Yeah, just didn't they name a hill after him because he was crushing people on that hill? Not officially, but all the commentators were like, that's Clybo Climb or whatever. Dude's an animal. Um, and anyway, so what's it like to, you know, know that someone is operating that at that level and then race against him and and perform and see where you fit in? And I don't know, just to, to realize that, you have it in you to operate at that level too? What does that feel like? Yeah, so it, so to even go farther back then to that, to like really kind of summarize all of it, I was, I've been lucky enough to have my older brother who studied over in Norway um, and got his PhD over there. And through his connections, I was able to get over to Norway before I even made my very first appearance on the World Cup and meet some of these Norwegians who, you know, these, these gods, I guess, in the ski world. And... Um, kind of realize and meet these guys and realize that they're just regular guys. There's not, they're, they're not special really in any way. They're fun, um, down to earth. They're just all really good guys. So for me, it was really lucky that I got to, to kind of see that side of, um, who they were. Mm -hmm. So then when I came into my very first world cup that I wasn't, didn't feel like I was surrounded by all these intimidating skiers who have been winning world championship medals and that first World Cup I went to, um, it was just after the Olympics in Pyeongchang, and um, it was after Johannes won his gold, and Pellegrino, an Italian skier, won the silver in the sprint, and um, I remember towing the line in the semifinal in Lati, Finland with those guys, and I didn't really have those outside pressures because I knew who Johannes was, and I knew some of the other Norwegians in my heat, and I'm just like, yeah, I've, I've trained with these guys. I've, I've gone skiing for two, three hours, and we've had conversations, and they're just they're just, they just want to race fast. They're just like me. So I think that was huge um, for me going into those races to kind of just dial it all back and scale the whole thing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
I want to know. So what Jared sent me, and Jared, if you want me to shut up and you want to keep asking questions, that's fine. You're the guest host today. <laughs> um, so it says you started skiing in high school. That's so for most sports, that's like almost too late a lot of the times to to perform at an optimal level. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What did you do before that? What what I guess what what did you do growing up? What did sports look like? What did activity look like? And yeah, kind of with hindsight looking back, what do you think set you up for success at this high at this high of a level? Yeah, so I mean, high school is when I really focused a hundred percent of my time on skiing. Okay, um, I started cross country skiing when I was in third grade. Okay, because of my older brother, he got into it, and more or less without him getting into the sport, I don't think I would have ever jumped into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was all, I did as many sports as I could. I played soccer, football, baseball, I ran track, um, kind of just did everything that I could to stay active. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started alpine skiing when I was, I, I want to say two maybe, um, which is a very limited sport here in the Midwest. <laughs> There's, <laughs> I think it takes longer to get up the mountain than it does to right? I don't even say mountain, get up the hill than it does to get down it. Um, so I think that early exposure to snow sport was definitely uh, an advantage that I had um, and helped me enjoy being outside in the winter mm-hmm. um, and putting on skis. Definitely. Yeah. What's, as a as a brother, older brother, what's your relationship like with your older brother? It's, it's awesome. I yeah. mean, it's. It's not perfect because, oh, I don't, yeah, I mean, like, if we if definitely have was, our... I'd be like, bullshit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I think uh, as it, when it comes to a relationship with an older sibling and um, a brother, I don't think it could get any better. Yeah. Yeah. Was, so he he was in skiing. He was your older brother. He got you into it. Uh, what? Why did, was it like to compete with him, to do it with him, to beat him? What did that look like early on? I think it was more just... I mean, if I look back at all of my childhood, I always tried to follow my brother and anything that he did, I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because there was competition or um, I wanted to be better at him. I just wanted to be like him. Yeah. Um, so whatever he did, I wanted to try and do it. And it, that came with, with water skiing, cross-country skiing, basketball, everything. And then, um, yeah, just kind of all. And I was lucky enough that he allowed me to do all that. And he kind of yeah. took me under his, his wing and... Wasn't kind of pushing me away from things. And yeah, there were some things, you know, they would do, he would do it. But as an older brother, of course, he's got to yeah. do it. But like at the same Sabotage time. your skis and Yeah, he, he's yeah. got to, yeah, he's got to make it easy. <laughs> he can't make it too easy on me. So What's your I was, name? Uh, Connor. Shout out to Connor. He sounds like a great dude. Yeah, and he's actually having a having a kid here in like 10 days. Oh, man. 11 days, yeah. So Boom. big, big. Awesome. Jared, you got any words of advice for a new dad? Uh-huh. You've been there. Uh, words you of advice there. for a new dad? <laughs> I think is uh, just keep learning. Keep learning. Keep listening. Stay humble. I like it. Try to get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. Show your gratitude and support to your partner. That's the big thing for sure. I like it. There you go. Yeah. Boom. So, okay. We're, th- I just want to touch that. That was great. That. Yeah. I'm glad you went back a little bit more um, to kind of, you know, talk about his his uh, getting into competitive skiing because I started, we started getting off on, you know. You head, guys were excited. Just into tangent. And I was excited. Let's talk Clybo, you know. Let's then, talk Norway. Yeah, I, I'm looking these guys. <laughs> I'm looking them all up too. Um, the uh, other, uh, real quick, I want to ask, this is tying in, you know, your brother going to have his first child. Talking about your childhood, your intro. What did, 
I guess, what did, what did uh, your youth, like, what were your parents exposing you to? What did that look like? How, like, looking back now, 26-year-old, what was their parenting style like that you can remember? Yeah, they were always very supportive in anything we wanted to do. But I always remember their one rule was if we started something, we have to see it through. Um, so it wasn't like we joined a sport, we didn't like it, we could drop out and quit. It was you committed to it, you're in it for the long run. And then after the season, if you don't like it, reevaluate. And then if you don't want to do it next year, you don't have to do it next year. Um, and that was with anything that we did. So um, I think when you really boil everything down, they get more. They should get more credit than myself or my brother just because without them, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't have had the chance to do any of this. Mm-hmm. So um, for them to be along this whole ride and be as supporters of the supporters and as supportive of, as they have been, it's, yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. Awesome. Shout out to your mom and dad for sure. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I know you talked about your can mom. I Can I add a follow-up question? Yeah, dive just, in there. Well, just in terms of, it got me thinking a little bit about, I, I had a question on my notes talking about the development of new skiers right mm. now. And I think there's a tie in there. Definitely. In terms of talking about how he got into, you know, through the support of his parents, through the encouragement and challenge of his brother, um, like, what is, what do you see happening right now, like current, present day, as far as pathways for new skiers that are getting into the sport? Is, you know, is it still, is it growing? Is it stagnating? Um, how do you, are there, are there a lot of skiers kind of developing those things? I know I saw... Um, so gold medalist Keegan Randall, I know she's doing stuff like in Alaska to get girls specifically more involved in, in skiing. And it seems like they have a big scene there, but I guess as far as Wisconsin specifically, what do you see happening? Yeah. I mean, just, just the other night, actually on, I think it was Monday night, I went and joined our, um, Lakeland high school team, our middle school team and our elementary team, um, out for a night training. And one of the questions they asked me was, it was super similar. Like what, what were the numbers when I was in high school for skiing? And my team was fairly small. Um, I don't have an exact number, but that night with the, with the team on Monday, there was probably 20 to 25 high schoolers there. And the, the amount of elementary kids and middle schoolers just blows my mind just in the North, like the North woods. Um, it seems way bigger than it was when I was there. Um, I was the only kid in my grade that, that skied until I convinced a buddy of mine my senior year to come out and ski with me. Um, so I think it is definitely growing. Um, and I, I think with Jesse Diggins and Keegan Randall winning that gold medal, um, that has only helped, especially on the female side. But I think, um, also the men are starting to knock on the door and pop off better results and, um, hopefully get some younger, younger males stoked on the sport and, um, but I think in, in the general, the sport is growing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, as a, as a fitness coach, strength and conditioning coach, sports performance, youth, adult coach, um, something I always talk to sports specific coaches about is kind of that idea and remembering like the reason we have sport, the true reason isn't for scholarships, isn't for, you know, the wins and the losses and the medals. It's to create better characters, better people, right, in society. This is this is how we have taken kind of maybe the idea of warfare or pushing ourselves for this other, you know, maybe not so positive goal, but we see all these benefits from 
skill acquisition, training, discipline, like we see all that and then we've condensed it into these little arenas. For you as a skier, obviously at this high level, competition, huge part of it. You know, you want to win, you want to better yourself. What are some of these other kind of existential things that you've gained from skiing that maybe someone would list from like a field sport, you know, from from football, teamwork or softball, you know, their their communication skills, that kind of thing. What are what are those what does that look like for you? Um, from skiing, what have you gained from, to your character? Yeah, like, I mean, I think it was cool because, I mean, I, so I skied for the University of Utah, um, and as much as skiing is an individual sport, when you're doing it at a college level, um, at the end of the day, your result correlates to a certain amount of points. Um, so if I race fast, my teammates race fast, we score a lot of points and we win, and that's mm-hmm. how you win a national championship. Um, so at the end of the day, you're racing, obviously, for yourself, but you're also racing for your team. Yeah. Um, which I think really helps incorporate and bring all like that team aspect, teamwork together. Mm. Um, but then in kind of shifting out of that into the national national team level, um, it's it's all definitely individual and all the training is individual. And But we're all doing the same thing together. But in anything, it's a lot harder to do something alone definitely. than it is and if you have support. Um, and all the guys on the, t- the national team, Eric Bjornsson, Simi Hamilton, and Scott Patterson, all four of us, I don't think we'd be where we are today without the support of one another mm-hmm. in any way. Um, so I think it's easy to lose sight of that skiing as this individual sport and that really at the end of the day, it's all about teamwork. And I think that's what the women have done really well is um, shown that they've created this really good unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think that the men are finally starting to do that and we're and all in a really good place. I like it. I love it. Let's ex- do it. I just have a follow-up to that, um, to I guess to Bill's question, which is about character, skill, learned through skiing. One of the things I was thinking about is uh, the physical, the, like the pain cave of skiing <laughs> is really unique. Like, I mean, you see the physical depths that uh, that cross-country skiers go to, especially in a course with a lot of climbs. Um, it, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's like any course, the, when they're pushing, you know, max level, max exertion, you see skiers collapse at the finish line. And I'm curious to know about the headspace that you go into when you're when you're in that physical zone and if there's... Like anything you say to yourself when you're in that physical zone and how that mental physical thing um, happens to you during that full on exertion. And then maybe as a like what Bill's asking is, you know, what have you learned personally and gained as a as an individual from having, you know, developed that grit to get through those moments and succeed and push through? It's funny because because of those moments, I always tell myself that skiing is the dumbest sport (laughs) because it's like (laughs) (laughs) why do we put ourselves through so much agony and pain um but it's for like those sheer little moments of having just great success Mm -hmm. um in the headspace that i go into it's i mean you have all the nerves i have all the nerves before any any race um but the moment i cross through the start wand or i i start my race i just go into a world of just emptiness Mm -hmm. there's nothing there I'm just, I'm feeling how my body feels. Um, and usually I'll know pretty soon if whether or not it's going to be a, a pain cave race or it's going to be, uh, I don't know how this is going to go, but 
there's there's nothing there. Um, there's a select few people I can hear on uh, the race course. Um, my mom, my coach, my brother, my dad. I mean, there's not many other people besides them that I can actually hear when I'm out there. So you're, I think all athletes are all definitely in this, our own little world, whatever that world is. I'm not really sure, but it's just, for me, it's empty. There's nothing there. It's quiet, super quiet. And um, the moment you hit that pain cave, it's, for some reason, it's, it's almost enjoyable. Um, whether, whether or not it's going to be a good or bad race, but yeah, it's something, something about it just feels good. Awesome. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty wild. I think that's one of the things that probably makes you successful. Yep. Cause <laughs> what happens to me when I go into that zone is like, Oh fuck, this sucks. This is so hard. Like my Berkey last year, I remember hitting, you know, 30 K and I was going at a pretty good pace for me and definitely not Bolger level, but felt pretty good. And then I hit the, I was like, Oh, I'm cramping. This is hard. Um, but yeah, I have another question, which is, um, is about, uh, so you talk about races, but I, I want to draw attention to the idea and fact that these races are so different from one another. And that's one thing that makes, um, that makes world cup level skiing, I think really interesting and must be really hard. Like, how do you go from doing, so I guess two questions. One is, do you have a particular discipline and length and distance that you like or that you excel at? And, um, and how is it to go from doing, you know, uh, uh, whatever 2k sprint, two kilometer sprint or one 1.2, whatever they are to doing a 30k or a 50k the next weekend and, you know, pacing, getting in the headspace. How does that look? So I've been more or less kind of, I wouldn't, I'm not gonna say pigeonholed, but my focus is all towards sprint racing. Um, if there is an opportunity for me to hop into a distance race, like a 15, 20, 20 K race, I'd try and stay away from those 50 Ks just cause it's, oh. it's just grueling. I did, I did one two years ago now at the Holman Colon 50 K and it was the coolest and hardest experience in my entire life. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm more or less doing sprints every week, um, which is usually on the Saturday and then Sunday follows the distance race. Um, if I get the opportunity to start the distance race, I definitely do. But um, training for both and adjusting for both, they're all, I mean, more or less the same. I might be a sprinter, but my training regimen still looks very similar to, you know, someone like Eric Bjornsson who's doing distance races and topping, popping off top 15s on the World Cup. Um, it's all very, very, very similar. Cool. Um, so that makes me wonder, too, about recreationally, um, when you ski, I, I was wondering where do you like to ski? Like if you were just, Hey, I want to go out and ski for a day. Do you have a place that, uh, that comes to mind? I mean, when I'm, if I'm lucky enough, it's nice to get back to Monaco winter park because that's, I mean, that's where the trails I grew up on. Um, but, uh, more or less when we're traveling all winter, we don't, I don't really have that uh, I'm not lucky enough to just be like, yeah, I'm going to go ski at this same place and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, I, and I always correlate now, I mean, coming into the season, I know where we're traveling to and I know the trails that we're going to be skiing on and what training days look like and what pre-race days look like. And, but I, I correlate, um, how I raced at that venue to if I'm going to enjoy my time there or not. 
but it's it sucks because like I might look at a place like Davos, Switzerland, which is sunny, it's beautiful. Um, and there last year I raced and I got 31st in the sprint, just missed qualifying. And then the distance race was probably one of my shittiest races all year. So I'm not really looking forward to going back there. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when I look at like a place like Lati in Finland where I've had really good success, yeah. it's dark. The food is kind of sucks. <laughs> the lodging isn't always the best, but I always somehow race well there. So I get excited to go there. Um, so it's, it's, I don't, I don't think I have one specific place that I really, really like to go, but if I'm lucky enough to be home, um, in race in ski, winter park's awesome. But at the end of the day, if I'm home racing or if I'm home skiing at winter park, that means I'm racing like shit. So <laughs> yeah, bad association. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I, I was thinking about this other kind of, kind of maybe switching gears a little bit. Um, I am curious to know, and maybe this is just not interesting to World Cup skiers, but I think about um, in the worlds of biking, so cycling and running, there are these ultra endurance events that are, you know, especially in running. I mean, so I just did a couple ultras this year, ultra runs, uh, 50K, 50K, 50 mile, 58 miles. You're crazy. Yeah, it was wild. Um, and it was pretty, it was awesome. Uh, not always awesome, super hard, super painful, but, um, but they're really interesting because for me, I went through the waves of, especially on the one I just recently did, Margie Gessick. Um, I went through this wave of, uh, like around the marathon mark, I felt like shit. <laughs> and then I, and then like five miles later, I started feeling better. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know. I, I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I read about that idea, but, um, and then at the end I felt awesome by mile 53 to 58, I was feeling great. It was bizarre. So I guess I'm curious is that I haven't seen, I think there's one 90 K is that in, maybe in Sweden, the Vasa Vasalopet, um, that is, uh, obviously that's pretty long, 90K, but Jesus. are there any other, you know, like, so the equivalent, so like a hundred mile run might take somebody, you know, anywhere from 16 hours or something up to, you know, 24 or 30 hour, I think it's a 30 hour cutoff usually. Are there any ski races out there that, um, you know, are ultra endurance, ultra distance ski races? And does that appeal to I, to you as an individual or are you do you think that has any way to uh, has any potential to take off yeah so like i mean you even the american Birkebonner, it's i think it's part of what a series is called the visma swix classics mm-hmm. which is like the american berkey the norwegian berkey the vasalope there's the marcia longa um so there's a whole marathon series of racing mm-hmm. um which has definitely taken off and actually there's quite a bit of money in it as well for the skiers. Yeah. So I mean, like on, on the sides of, on marathon, like I think there's not many races that are more than, um, the Vasalopit, which is, yeah, I think you were saying it's like 90 K or something. And so when it, on, uh, yeah, there's really nothing more like, there's not like ultra, ultra cross country races out there. Um, but it's cool because those marathon races, especially in Europe, like the Berkey and the Vasalopit and Mars, they correlate very similarly to cycling when it comes to a team sport um, where they're doing team tactics and skiing as a one unit um, versus like what we're doing on the World Cup where it's very 
you're by yourself or you're maybe you're working in a train. But so those guys are actually applying very similar tactics what the guys in the Tour de France are using with a team and having uh, drafting. drafting and having sending out a chase group and sending guys off the front. And um, it's actually really cool. The last year's Vasilopet, um, Team Kotang, some of the guys I trained with in Norway played like the perfect team tactics I have ever seen in a cross country ski race. Um, and they ended up going like one, two, three, five, six in the race. And it was just like unbelievable. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if ultra cross country skiing will ever take off or not. Because of <laughs> the grooming partially you have to have a trail, right? Yeah. Maybe grooming. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I could see it happening, but I don't, I don't, th- I can't think of anything in my head right now where there might be like a, way up in northern Norway or something like a 100k race or something and but I don't I don't think there's really like a series or or why they I mean it's just a long time to be out there yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's um oh sorry I'll take it yeah there's uh Arrowhead 135 yeah that's in Minnesota so some people talk about that but um it's mainly I think a fat bike race some people do it on foot for sure and uh ski is also another discipline that's that's an option um well, but i huh are you looking it up they run oh yeah oh well i think maybe you can snowshoe i don't know oh, that's, uh, that's well running i mean running you're talking about running with a sled so it's like it's like the uh i did a rod you know foot race that sort of thing where it's you know, ultra endurance, but these people are weighted down with bivy and sleeping bags and all their food, and they're going to be out there for, you know, a couple of days. Yeah. Um, he was yeah. nuts. I was just curious, because for me, it sounds like a good, I mean, there, that sounds hard, don't get me wrong, and painful, <laughs> and a huge challenge, but there is something in between that to me sounds like a good time. Like, for me, I was thinking, hey, what if the Berkey, what, like, what if on Sunday they did a... 100k like you start at the finish and you ski to the start and then you ski back on the classic and then finish and like there's a cutoff so if you don't make it to you know where where the classic track meets the skate again then you get pulled um and you know it'd be 100k or 105 maybe and i was like oh that'd be cool and it would take i mean it'd still be a day oh yeah you know it wouldn't be uh it wouldn't be like a multi-day thing but be for people that are a little crazy mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> anyway just an idea um oh i was gonna ask you about so i guess switching gears again sorry bill no you're i'm switching you're, gears you're, you're killing it well i'm curious to know about your thoughts on ski culture um which i, I touched on a little bit earlier but ski culture in the u.s um, and how that is either, you know, derivative from Europe. I mean, obviously it is. All the skis and everything comes from um, Europe or European companies. But I guess I'm curious to know things that you admire and appreciate about the traditions of, you know, Nordic, of Nordic culture and skiing. You know, when I think of Norway, I think I, um, I, th- I can't remember which brand it was, but I saw this video that they put out. Maybe it was Solomon on um, on YouTube. It was just like this woman from Norway, and she's sort of, I am no one, and I am everyone, and yeah, just like the idea that I, it's this is our culture, and she skis out from her. Um, I think she was near Lillehammer, and she just like skis out from her cabin and skis on these trails, and they just look so accessible, and it looks like anyone can ski, and everyone does ski. 
Whereas here, it's this kind of niche community. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty cool. I think you're pretty cool that you're a badass. Um, but it's not particularly, not particularly considered like a cool thing to do. So culturally, how do we change that? Like, how do we make skiing cool? How do we get, <laughs> you know, let's do it. Uh, no, but like, it's cool. How do we learn from what they've got going and, and develop more of a culture around it and or build our own culture around it? I think it's not easy because I like you you talking about Norway and I mean those guys are they're all the Norwegians are born with skis on their feet. I mean it's just from day one, that's just the way it's been. Um and how to make it more badass, I think it's just it comes down to like us four guys on the national team who needed to start throwing down results and winning. Um I think No pressure. Yeah, exact shit. Um <laughs> you know, like Jesse and Keegan, like we go back to them winning that gold medal, I think they're bringing a cool factor to it. Um, and I think they're getting more and more females really excited about it because for them, they're making the sport look cool. Um, so I think it, it comes down to just more or less. Yeah. Like I said, just us trying to race faster and, and bringing that culture. And I mean, those in Norway, you go to, I don't know they what their sports illustrated would be, but their skiers are on the front page. They're not, you know, versus here in the U S you're seeing like football players or hockey players, basketball players. Um, that's, that's the focus in the U S. So, and like you're saying, this, this cross country sport, it's a very niche little group. And, um, I mean, I think the community is really good at reaching out to each other, but I don't know how we make it more of a broad scale and reach out to more people. And, um, I think, yeah, it just comes down to yeah, like just skiing fast, yeah. trying to get on the podiums and, bring more attention to the sport. Um, and I think it's hard because I think our only real opportunity in this sport is to do it at a major world championships or at the Olympics. And those you know, Olympics are every other four years and world championships are every two years. So we don't have, it's not like we can do it every year, like some sports here in the U S do it. So, um, I think, I think we have a little bit of a road gap in, or a roadblock in front of us, but slowly, I think we're starting to kind of break down that barrier a little bit. Mm-hmm make it look a little cooler. I'm I'm really digging this question because I wanted to touch on the history of skiing as well because I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm a huge like history nerd. Like I love that. Like mm. when you talk about the marathon, um, the the original um, soldier having to run 26.2 miles to deliver the news and um, kind of looking up like uh, what was the, I've got it up here, the Vasilopin? That one. How do you say it again? Vasilopet. Vasilopet. Yep. So, yep. you know, in, right here, 1520, young nobleman uh, fleeing from the troops of Christian uh, Christian II, king of Denmark. So kind of like the, those historical backgrounds, I mm-hmm. think, is why, you know, like you're talking about, it has such cultural and historical significance over there. Oh, yeah. And it's, like you said, they're they're born with skis on their feet, and it's... Yep. They're, it's I mean, that's the the Norwegian Birkebeiner. It's saving a baby king. Yeah. Two guys, two warriors, mm-hmm. skiing through the woods to save a baby. And they and ski whatever. It's like 50-some K. I, those you know? stories to me get me get me fired up. And that's um, why I, I grew up skiing with my mom, nothing competitive or anything. It was just getting out, seeing the countryside. And now that I live in Point, don't school, I've got more free time. Like that's That's why I love it is getting out and just enjoying the countryside, getting out in the winter. I try to do a lot of hunting when I go cross-country skiing. You know, I'm 
old logging roads, blazing trails. Um, So for me, that's what I get out of it. And that's kind of like what I like sharing with people. But you know the the level you're operating at and and kind of spreading the the message and the growing the culture i think like you you've been covering is spot on for where we are at right now with society is kind of like showing the competitive nature of it and the excitement of it and how we can watch it see people operate at this high level and then at the same time be like motivated to get outside that's what i'm seeing about it is more people are realizing like hey I'm following all these elite athletes for a lot of sports that I can't do or like there's no real place that you can go, you know, play football at, you know, for sustainable recreation or sustainable health or people that follow basketball and then they're like, oh, I'm going to go do basketball for fitness. It's like, well, then those people have like jacked up ankles, jacked up knees because they're not doing anything other than going hard on a hard pavement and their, you know, their bodies aren't prepared for it. Whereas it's, it seems to me like something like skiing spreading the you know the culture the history the competitive part of it like you are doing it's also exciting because it gives people an outlet for like lifelong health or lifelong movement i stole the mic from kevin sorry dude. get in there well i guess to that point one of my comments and i guess questions or observations is sort of the failure of the ski industry in the u.s and maybe it's just what i'm seeing but um, there's just this gap, I think, that I see, and I feel it when I talk to people because I'm clearly excited about skiing. I love doing it as a recreational activity. I've gotten into some of the racing as well because it's fun to push myself, and it's fun to, like, I had never really skied much at Monaco Winter Park, and then I signed up for this year, the last year's Wolf Tracks Rendezvous. It's a 42K, and I was like, damn, I saw, like, a whole set of trails that I hadn't seen before, And, um, it's just like, what else are you going to do that weekend? You know? Um, so I love the racing side of it, but what I think is, is, uh, unfortunate is that there's a barrier of entry and, and how do you break it down to, cause I think, you know, once people are into, into skiing, then seeing results, seeing inspiring figures winning at that level you know, they're like, Oh, I know, I know how to ski. I want to push myself. Um, you know, I'm like, I want, I know I want to race like Kevin. Uh, I'm like, damn dude. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's all these friends of mine that I try to get into skiing and I'm like, Hey, go pick up some skis. And they're like, well, what's the difference between this and this? And I'm like, Oh my God, the industry has failed you. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's nowhere there's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they're like, I know there's like pioneer and, um, you know, my friend Paul works at Boulder Nordic. And there are these places out there that are great resources, and there's clubs. You know, I will shout out Iowa Winter Sports Club, Jake Barnes, all those yep. people. You guys are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike McGiven, he got me into skiing. But um, there's that barrier of entry where culturally here, uh, maybe because we don't grow up with it naturally, that there's the intimidation factor. That how do you break that down? Like when I go to you know fraternal, I go to CrossFit, I go to workout or even people at work that I work with at Ruby that I try to get out skiing and there's this, they're like confused. What's the wax? What do you, what do you mean? You know? Uh, so what do you think about that? What do you think about that? What do you think about the wax? Kevin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Loaded question. Yeah. No, but I, I think, I mean, I look back for me and it's like when I started skiing, it was definitely, I mean, I can see how it can be. It's just intimidating. Because like you said, you hit everything on on nail on the head, like the wax, the skis, the equipment, everything. I mean, it's not something you can just 
go buy a pair of shoes and start running. Mm-hmm. That's something everyone knows how to do. So there's definitely that, yeah, an, an intimidation factor. Um, and I look back when I started, I had one pair of boots, one pair of skis, and a, two pairs of poles. And my skis were a combi skis, um, skate and classic. Now I have 25 <laughs> pairs of skis. Yeah. Um, Fisher, Fisher sponsor. Oh, Fisher, Fisher, yep. Shout yep, out Fisher. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Is that a company, is that a line of skis that like someone just getting into skiing should look for? I mean. Do they have everything? Yeah, well, I mean, of course I'm going to say Fisher because that's this, those are the skis I use in the boots and Lucky Pulls. So obviously they're the best. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Jared has two pairs. So. But, I mean, when, if you're just starting out, you, there's no need to go out and buy the, the top-of-the-line World Cup skis because, I mean, it, it, is an ex- it can be an expensive sport. Um, but I think if you just, you just have to do it. Yeah. I think it's, that's what it comes down to. You just have to get out and do it and try it. Try rent, rent stuff. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, the ski industry maybe has failed a little bit. But at the same time, I think it might go both ways. Um, you ask the questions, you just go, yeah, go to those shops, ask questions and yeah. get out there. And um, I think just to that point about price, I, I think that one of the things I find myself telling people over and over again is that despite, you know, the relatively high price of some of the top of the line equipment, you can get into skiing, especially if you buy used stuff. Now, and I find myself telling this, especially to people that are super into road bikes, because I'm like, look, okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, for a fraction of the cost. So like less than a grand, or if you go somewhere, you know, there's some places nearby. I know Hostel Shop sells some new stuff. Um, there's a variety of other places. I think Shepherd and Shower maybe. Um, so you can, there are new place, places to buy new equipment or used, but for like three to 500 bucks, you can be into some pretty high quality stuff and, and it can really get you far. And then the memberships are cheap. Um, so I don't know, I... Even though I did say that I think there is some failure um, on on the part of some of the industry to reach people and make it more accessible, I think you're right that sometimes people just need to get off their ass and, you know. Sorry. Do it. Amen. (laughs) Oh, that wasn't, I thought that was a prayer. (laughs) I'm like, yes. Yeah. Amen. You just got to get out and do it. I mean, it's such a, it is a badass sport. And like when you get out and everything's working and you do nail the wax and your skis are gliding, it, that feeling is just like, it's like you're flying. I've never flown before. I don't think anyone has, but it's just so effortless and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just it's so beautiful. I like it. I was going to say most of, most of my skiing is done where nothing is, uh, <laughs> nothing is nothing maintained. Beautiful. Nothing, nothing. No, I was going to say nothing is groomed. I'm, oh, you know, it's. Yeah, it's just yeah. bushwhacking. So I, I, I. It's more of like you're, you know, that. It's the effort that makes it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like it's you. You go back and you're like, no one's been back here. No. It's winter. It sucks. Everyone's like Jared said, is sitting back at home where it's comfortable on the couch, and I'm out here, and it's the effort of it, the gliding, the pushing myself, um, that it's just addicting. Like I, and then going to Iola, which awesome trails with Jared and then yeah. him just lapping me. Well, you were, that's not, that's not fair. I mean, you were, you were, you were using like uh, uh back country yeah. ski, like classic skis and it was cold. Uh, so, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. 
Plus, yeah. I was um, I was skiing pretty fast. He was in he was in like hardcore race mode. I was getting ready. Yeah, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about the um, just the experience of skiing and what it feels like because we didn't really talk about that. You know, like why why ski? Um, what does it do for us? And I agree. I mean, for me personally, I just um, to answer my own question is that for one, getting outside in the winter, uh, that's obviously a big plus, but there's an experience about it where it's this full body, you know, kind of this pure motion. Um, and I wonder like for you, does that wear off at all? I mean, the, the beauty and excitement of it when you, when it's like your grind, it's your sport, it's your, you know, it's, it's your profession, right? Um, does that, does the, uh, does the beauty of it wear, wear off as you keep, you know, tacking on the kilometers? Absolutely not. I mean, that's the coolest thing is even though I might be skiing towards the top of the sport, the level of it, I'm still making these improvements every day. Mm -hmm. And with those little improvements just becomes, it just becomes a little bit more effortless Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more enjoyable. I mean, I have so much fun doing it that I don't ever see myself stopping doing it. Um, and as, as you were kind of talking about it in my head, I was like, what, what is, what is like the movement of it? And it's just like skiing is poetry and movement. It's just like, like I said before, it's beautiful. And when all of it clicks, it's just, I, that's, that's what I'm addicted to. Um, getting out, like you were saying earlier, Bill, it's just like you're out in the, in the woods. It's quiet. You work to get out there. No one else is out there. You know, it's just the serenity of it. It's just all, it's, oh man. I love it. I'm fired up I'm getting into it. I have a question. Uh, another question. So (laughs) question. Yeah. It's a question over here. Um, no, you mentioned fine tuning and technique. I'm just curious to probe that a little bit and hear about, what you're working on, uh, what your training looks like. Are you cross training, strength training? Uh, I know that, that Bill has a good fitness following on this, on this podcast too. So I'm sure some people might be interested to know, um, you know, you can only ski so much to get better at skiing. Um, so, you know, obviously (laughs) intervals and I saw you post some pictures, mountain biking out in what Colorado with, was your sister or something? Yeah. Sun Valley. So what, could you touch on a little bit about your training, cross-training, things that you're trying to do to up your technique? Yeah, so, I mean, we obviously, we do a lot of skiing. Um, <laughs> so anything that I can do to, to break up that monotonous routine of skiing or roller skiing, and roller skiing is what we do primarily in the summers, um, is just an added mental break to everything. Um, so a lot of mountain biking, um, which out west is awesome, and even around here in the Midwest, I think it's starting to take off and become more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so a lot of mountain biking we're doing. We're getting in the strength room. I'm getting in the strength room twice a week, um, and on top of that, I'm doing for skiing specifically. It's such a, a, a balancing and core, mo- like motivated movement sport. Like I'm doing core every day mm-hmm. to just for stabilization. Um, if you have a weak core, you're probably not going to be a great skier. So um, strength is just as important as training. I'm just going to interrupt Kevin and say, just check out his Instagram page. <laughs> You'll see his like 18 pack. No, no worries there. <laughs> he's got the core. Right, now he's sorry. He's yeah, he's guy. munching a grape. Um, no, that's cool. That I'm kind of I'm curious to hear about some of the training stuff. So that's interesting. Um, 
Uh, I guess I also want to know about goals you have for yourself for this year. Um, I think that's fascinating to hear, you know, what people want to, what, what they expect from themselves, both what you think is realistic and then what you think is, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe beyond realistic, like dream, dream situation. Um, you know, what are you, what are you hoping for? What are you targeting? Yeah, it's, it's really sweet because this year there's no world championships. There's no Olympics. It's just a regular World Cup season um, with a shit ton of racing this year um, and two tours, which is just mind-boggling. Um, so kind of for, I mean, goal-setting-wise, it, it allows you to kind of set, I think, more realistic goals um, without having the added pressures of like, okay, I need to make the world championship team, and that's my primarily my, my only focus for the season, which... I mean, for me last year, that's what it was. And realistically, that's how it kind of, I guess it should be. But uh, this year for me, I mean, after now spending a full season on the World Cup, figuring out life on the road and in all these hotels where I can do laundry or if they have laundry, laundry machines or if I'm doing sink laundry. Um, I think these little things help me make, help make, help, helped me make good goals for this coming season because I'll be able to, um, just I have life figured out on the road. Um, but I want to definitely increase. So last year I was qualifying more into the 20 to 30 um, range for my sp- first sprint racing. Um, this year I want to be able to qualify more in the top 15s to top 10s. Um, and then that allows me to set up better for when I'm selecting my heats for sprint races um, to get just better positioning in those heats. And then did a lot of qualifiers last year and not semifinals or finals. So I definitely need to bridge that gap and I want to be consistently skiing in the semifinals. That's a goal of mine for the whole season. Um, and then, I mean, and that's a, that's a realistic goal. That's something I think I can do for absolutely. And then I think you also kind of need to make goals that are a little lofty because that's kind of where you get a little bit that extra drive from. Um, so, and then from that, it's winning a World Cup race, my first World Cup, you know, for, and that's, that's a goal I would love to do next year, um, especially in Minneapolis when the World Cup comes to the U.S. for the first time since 2001. Um, and it's in front of my, it'll be in front of my friends, my family, and, you know, it's kind of home turf. I mean, it's Minnesota, it's across the border, it's, it counts, it counts a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, a Wisconsin homegrown, homegrown guy, so, I mean, I, I, so that's that's one. I def- definitely want to be consistently skiing more in the semifinals, um, make some more A finals, and then, I mean, long term goals go through the twenty twenty two Beijing Olympics. Um, and that's not like I don't just want to make the Olympic team. I want to go to the Olympics, and make the A final in the sprint. I mean, that's my goal. So it's not just making the team. It's it's beyond that. It's it's I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna try and make the A final. Like that's my goal. I don't even consider not making the team because for me, that's just like, I'm going to make it. You want a medal. That's just, I want it. Yeah. I want it. I want it. I like it. We, we're we going to have to wrap this up with a few more questions. I need to get out in a tree stand. It's the rut. Um, oh, and I love you guys, but yeah, um, oh, that's cool. I'm fired up right now. And now I'm like, I need to go kill a deer. Um, but uh, I'm going to kill a deer and yeah. throw it over my shoulders and hike it all the way that's, out because I'm a badass. That's, I, I don't know about the last part, but <laughs> everything else you just said is true. I will probably either drag it out or tie it to a stick and carry it out. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I have one question. Um, 
Because I just saw he was out in New York, and I'm curious to know what what were you doing in New York? You're all fancy up, fancied up in a suit and stuff. <laughs> What's going on? Yes. So that was our big, like our biggest fundraiser for the U.S. ski team when it comes to fundraising. Um, oh, there we go. It was called the New York City Gold Medal Gala, and fancy. It was definitely very fancy. Um, suited up for a night, white carpet, which I don't know. Maybe it's because we do snow sports. They did white instead of red. I'm not, I never really thought about that, actually. But uh, So that's what we were doing out there and trying to um, you know, meet some of the, the big supporters behind the U.S. ski team because um, without those guys, winning medals wouldn't be possible. Yeah, um, definitely. So. I like it. I was, thank you for reminding me. I was gonna, that was going to be one of my concluding questions for you was where can people reach out, you know, what you've got going on in point tonight at Central Waters, and we can conclude with those. My last question for you is kind of the idea, and we touched on it with the pain cave and, you know, why you do what you do, what motivates you. Do you, have you heard of the concept of flow when it comes to performance? And if so, what do you, do you read anything for sports psychology? Are you thinking about it? Do you just kick ass, wake up, you know, ski, repeat, that kind of thing? Is it all natural or like what? Do you have any kind of, you know, maybe like inspiration or strategy or kind of like approach to the mental side of life performance? So I'm not, I'm not super familiar with flow. Okay. I mean, I'm assuming it's just flow. Yeah. Like like just like feeling good. It's the idea. Yeah. A flow state of, yeah. Yeah. The idea of how can we optimize performance it doesn't need to be yeah. physical performance yeah. but yeah. how do you create an environment where you are you are challenged by what it is you're doing and that challenge is meeting your level mm-hmm. and pushing you to improve so yeah. how do we where you know like three hours of skiing feels like 15 minutes mm-hmm. that kind of feeling or like a competition where you're skiing the fastest you've ever skied you're skiing against guys that on paper should be beating you but you you have the performance of your life like, how do you create those moments or what, I guess, what's your approach to, you know, the mental part of it? Because you're out there for a long time in some of these events, training, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of hours. What does that look like for you? I mean, there's days where, yeah, those those three-hour workouts feel like 15 minutes, but then there's days where those three hours feel like three hours. Um, <laughs> and I don't I don't know if there's anything you can do in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've never worked one-on-one with a sports psych. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done it in a team setting, um, with the national team and when I was skiing at Utah, um, and definitely have had some takeaways from there. But at the end of the day, when I go to the start line of a race, my confidence comes from what I've been doing all summer. And if I know I put the work in the time, the effort, then I know that I have to be hundred percent confident in all of that. And that I'm going to race my best. If I second guess that, at all, then I'll start spiral, spiral, spiraling down. But yeah, it just comes down for me. It just comes down to the self-talk. I did the work. I put the time in. Let's go out and fucking race like a badass. I love it, man. No, it's perfect. There's really no right or wrong answer. I just like to hear from people. Yeah, yeah. and that's just kind of how I, I like boil it. it down. Yeah, I that's like awesome. it. Um, so yeah, just in closing, I guess I'm just curious to know if you have anything. Anything else that you think we missed or that you feel is really driving you right now that you want to chat about or mention or anything like that? Otherwise, you know, thanks for being an inspiration. Keep on crushing it. 
Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of outside motivation, but I mean, for me being home right now in Wisconsin, um, the, the, the wood of like the big logs of the fire, the motivation, it comes from local support. So like right now being down, going to Central Waters Brewery for a fundraiser and the other night being with the Lakeland High School ski team, um, going over to Rice Lake on Friday and then Hayward on Saturday and then Manaqua on Sunday for these fundraisers and events I'm doing. I mean, local support for me is my, is the biggest part of like the biggest motivation. I mean, this is where I grew up. This is where I was racing. And now these, everyone behind me is, yeah, that fuel. And for me, being able to give back a little bit to do stuff like this to, yeah, anything I can do to give back to the community that gave so much to me is just rewarding. And, um, I never want to let myself down when I'm out skiing, but I definitely don't want to let down anyone else. Um, and that's, yeah. So I might be racing for myself, but I'm definitely racing for a lot of, a lot of people out there. You're a badass dude, Kevin. Where can people, I'll have your uh, website page up, but where can people reach you on social media if they want to follow along, get inspiration, check out your six pack or your 18 pack? <laughs> um, get some tips on training. What, where can people follow you? Um, biggest is probably Instagram. Just my name, Kevin Bolger. Um, that's probably the easiest way to track me down. Perfect. Yeah. I have a, an athlete page on Facebook as well, um, but it's more or less an extension of my Instagram. So Instagram is definitely the, the biggest. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Sweet. I just followed you. Oh, yes. All right. So how late, how late are you? Well, uh, with that, let's wrap up the podcast. So uh, thank you guys for coming on. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, this has Jared, been sweet. Thank, thank you. you for reaching yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Go on, get in there. Thank you both. Thank you both. This was awesome. Uh, you know, the thing, thing I love about this coming together is, well, I love a lot about it, but um, just this. So, Bill, you've built this platform where, you know, you are, like you said, promoting the sort of heroes around us, people in everyday lives, not in our everyday lives, but um, showing us that uh, there's a lot of inspiring stuff happening that we can that we can draw from. And I just thought this was going to be such a cool opportunity. I really enjoyed the chat. I think um, I learned some more about uh, what drives you, what motivates you as an athlete. And I think hopefully, um, you know, the, the team early as fuck listeners are are going to be pushed a little bit outside of their, you know, I, there's probably a lot of people that aren't skiers. So hopefully this will challenge challenge them to, you know, try something new out or at least realize that beyond the discipline that, they, that they're into, whether it's hunting or farming or whatever, you know, uh, CrossFit, that, um, you know, we're all doing hard shit and it's cool to hear, you know, some of the similarities across those across those disciplines. So thank you both. This was rad. Love it. Cool. Later, everybody.